When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another Purple Insider Roundtable. Matthew Collar here, Sam Ekstrom as well. And joining us for this episode, Cameron De Silva. He is the managing editor of the Rams Wire with USA Today, covers the Rams. And um, Cameron, I'm going to start right off by telling you something about uh, the Rams. I'm very skeptical about them, and I've sort of made fun of the idea of the Rams being great this year on this show. So why don't we just start there and you can give your reaction to me saying I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, it's, it's really been one or the other with everyone that I've talked to. Everyone's either like they're going to be Super Bowl favorites and, and legitimate contenders or Matthew Stafford has done nothing in the playoffs and he gets hurt sometimes. And, and I'm skeptical of Deshaun Jackson and, and all that they've done. Um, but I, I honestly I'm not a Rams fan, so this isn't homerism. I, I do think they're going to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year. Um, I think Stafford with McVay. They're going to do some really good things. And um, I mean, he hasn't, obviously he had Calvin Johnson, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. He had plenty of good receivers. You guys know covering the Vikings. Um, but this group that he has here, it's a good mix of, of route runners. And you got Deshaun Jackson being a deep threat. And I don't know what they're going to do with Tutu Atwell, but he can do some stuff and he, he's fast and small and shifty. And uh, then you got Tyler Higby at tight end. So he has no shortage of weapons. He's got, the number one ranked defense from last year. Um, obviously, they've lost some guys in free agency and, and they traded Jared Goff and Michael Brockers. But this is a team that I think is built to, to make a deep playoff run. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they did. Cam, tell me if I'm correct in my evaluation from afar. It seems like the Rams prioritized keeping the stars, Donald, Ramsey, Whitworth, Cup, Woods, but they lost a lot of depth last year um not necessarily blue chippers but guys that round out a starting lineup or a roster pretty nicely like john johnson um troy hill morgan fox gerald everett you know josh reynolds is is that a concern for you that some of those role players are no longer uh on the team i wouldn't say it's a major concern because the way that they've drafted they've kind of drafted a year ahead um so with Troy Hill, they had David Long that they drafted a couple of years ago. Um, they drafted Taylor Rapp and Jordan Fuller and Terrell Burgess within the last two years. So they can fill in for uh, John Johnson. Fuller was actually a starter last year as a rookie, but um, they, they did lose some key players. Austin Blythe, their center, they, they had a chance to sign. He signed for basically pennies with the Chiefs. Um, they opted to let him go. They're going to move Austin Corbett over to center, and that kind of creates a hole at guard. Um, Morgan Fox, who was a defensive end, kind of a lesser known guy. He was their, uh, I would say, pass rush specialist as that five technique. He's going to be tough to replace. They, uh, John Johnson and Troy Hill, I mentioned, and then um, Michael Brockers, who they traded away. He's not a dominant guy. He's not a good pass rusher necessarily, but he's a good run defender. Um, so they're, like you mentioned, they did keep all their guys. They re-signed Woods and Cup last year and Ramsey, and they have Donald, obviously. Um, but they do 
really their roster is constructed very top heavy where they have a lot of big name guys and then they need their draft picks and, and mid round picks uh, to kind of come through and, and, uh, and play well as starters. So here's the thing, Cameron, you're speaking to your future. We already saw this happen in Minnesota. Okay. Coming off of 2017, the Vikings went to the NFC championship. They had the number one defense. They got to the NFC championship with a quarterback that the team wasn't really in on in case Keenum. And then they got a new quarterback and they kept their stars and they said, ah, this is the (laughs) final piece. It's the quarterback. So we're going to run it all back. And oh yeah, I guess we got some depth issues and guess we'll have this guy go and this guy go because we can't afford him anymore. But ah, we have all of our stars. We're bringing it all back. See, this is why I'm skeptical of it because we've seen it before. And I feel like in a lot of ways, we've seen it with multiple different places in the NFL where they get so far and then they feel like, oh, we have to make that sort of big splash or the big risky move. And that's getting Matt Stafford. The other part of saying we've seen it is we've seen Matt Stafford and we've seen him with some pretty good teams come through and play the Vikings, uh, not over the last couple of years under Matt Patricia, but in the past with Jim Caldwell. And there's some fundamental problems with Matt Stafford as exciting as he can be. So I guess that that is my main argument against this is a lot of t- or against them being I'm not saying they're going to be garbage, but they're against them being a legitimate Super Bowl contender is kind of like. I don't know that top heavy exactly gets you there versus strength across the board. And I definitely don't trust Matt Stafford to take you there. Yeah. Those are all fair points. Um, They're one injury away at cornerback from being in somewhat of a little bit of trouble. Um, Same with safety. They don't have good pass rush depth on the outside. They have Leonard Floyd and then a bunch of guys who have never really been starters in the NFL. Um, along the defensive line, you have Aaron Donald and Sebastian Joseph Day, who are really good players. Um, Ashawn Robinson is there, but he didn't do much last year. Um, along the offensive line, they have a, a bunch of a bunch of younger guys who can play a few positions. But if Andrew Whitworth goes down like he did last year, they're in a little bit of trouble. Um, so there, there's a few positions like that where they're kind of top heavy and then the depth is going to be tested if an injury does occur or, or somebody doesn't play up to the standards that they're expecting. Um, it's, it's tough to sustain this type of roster for years and years and years because you do have to draft so well. There's only so long you can go without having the first round pick and the Rams are going to go from 2017 to what, 2023. They're not going to have one. 2024 is their next one or something like that. So um, it's crazy that the way that they've done this, I, I applaud them for um, taking an aggressive approach and, and going against the grain for what most teams have done. Um, but it's going to be tough for them to continue to re-sign, re-sign their own guys and, and bring back their core players like Darius Williams. He's a really good corner. Next year, he's going to be an un- unrestricted free agent. I don't know if they're going to be able to afford him. Um, so it's going to be tested over time. I think this year they're going to be good, but year over year it's going to be tough to say yeah they did a nice job of wriggling out of cap purgatory to keep that core intact i thought and now maybe Mm -hmm. they'll benefit from that cap going way up maybe like 25 million dollars last year or next year but i have a two-part question for you um do you get the sense that the luster has sort of like uh worn off of sean mcveigh at all and um if it hasn't is there a lot of faith that he will be able to get the most out of Matthew Stafford? And if it has, is there skepticism um, with what he'll be able to do with that new quarterback? 
I don't necessarily think there's skepticism of what he's going to do with Stafford. I think a lot of fans and analysts expect him to have a, a really good year with Stafford with a quarterback who has seen every defense, who's played in all kinds of offenses, who knows how to make the right reads and, and is not necessarily the most mobile quarterback, but he can win um, off platform and, and out of the pocket and things like that. Whereas Jared Goff was kind of a slow processor, didn't always make the right reads, didn't see blitzes when they were coming. And when the play did break down, he was honestly one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He just didn't, he didn't have the the freelancing ability that I think a Matthew, Matthew Stafford will have. Um, so I think in that regard, Sean McVay is going to look better with the way that he's calling games. And I don't know how much you watched the Rams last year, but it was very conservative and, and kind of boring offense, a lot of checkdowns, a lot of short passes and just letting Robert Woods and Cooper Cup get yards after the catch. And you can only do that for so long. And McVay said it this offseason. He said you could the way if you're going 10, 12 plays down the field every time, your margin for error is so slim. You you have to have these, these explosive plays to take advantage of. And they just didn't do that. Um, so I don't necessarily think there's any skepticism of what he's going to do with Stafford. But some fans have grown a little tired of his conservative calls and screens on third down and runs on third and long and, and things like that. But I think that's going to change with Stafford coming in, being a more aggressive and, and strong-armed quarterback. So talk me into... Matt Stafford being different than he's always been. Okay. So yes, you have the weapons, but we've seen Matt Stafford with weapons and he's had some great games against the Vikings. And so again, I'm not saying that Matt Stafford can't play football and he's made some of the most ridiculous throws against the Vikings <laughs> I've ever seen. I mean, so, there are some times where he's you know off the back of his foot, it's 30 yards rocket down the field. The other thing I've seen though, is him get sacked 10 times in a single game by the Minnesota Vikings. Last year, they had a chance to beat the Vikings, and he throws, what, two red zone interceptions, was it, Sam? Or at least one to Eric Hendricks that was in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's just this sort of, like, with him, a home run hitter that when he's hot, he's really hitting him out of the ballpark. But then when he's not, I think this is the reason he ends up around 500 a lot when his teams are even good, is because he has a lot of these sort of peaks and valleys. And the other thing, too, Everyone praises the ever loving hell out of Matt Stafford for being tough. And I don't doubt that he's tough, but he's also injured all the time. And this is another, this has to be another thing that as you run through the scenarios in your head, what can the Rams be that this sort of comes up? So those, those are my criticisms, which I'm sure you'll agree as a journalist are reasonable, but talk me out of them. Like talk, talk me into Matt Stafford is going to be different in LA than he has been in a decade in Detroit. So the injury thing is is definitely something they have to take into account. He he uh, this offseason he rattled off the injuries that he played through, which a lot of people didn't even realize. Um, I think it was with the D Detroit Free Press in, in an interview, and it was like his thumb, his shoulder, his ankle. It was so many different injuries that you couldn't even imagine, and he, he played um, the season through them, but when you're playing hurt, you're not playing hundred percent. You're not at your peak. You're, you're, you're limited a little bit. And I think he's, he's healthy now. He had thumb surgery. It was just a minor cleanup type thing. He says he's healthy. Um, but as far as his style of play on the field, I think the fact that he's going to have McVay whose offense is really predicated on making these easy reads, open receivers, a lot of great route combinations that get guys open really easily. Um, so Stafford's not going to necessarily have to try to fit these tight window throws constantly. And um, next gen stats has Jared Goff as like one of the least aggressive quarterbacks throwing into tight windows. And because he didn't really have to, and he still had decent numbers and 
I know he had some boneheaded interceptions that, that cost them, but it wasn't necessarily because he was trying to fit these difficult throws into tight windows. They were just stupid throws that he shouldn't be making. So I think with, with McVay coaching Stafford, um, obviously he's, he's going to have a completely different offensive system than what Stafford has been in before. And he's talked about the learning curve and, and how he has to get up to speed and, and things like that. And I think this offense is going to fit him well. It's going to include some deep shots, but it's also going to include a lot of crossers and, and routes that fit his eye well. And he's going to have a lot of open receivers. See, this is mind boggling to Vikings fans because the Vikings aren't allowed, it seems, to have more than two relevant receivers. Like two <laughs> is the maximum. Uh, the Rams have like six. Um, talk to me about the Rams wide receiver depth chart, because in addition to, you know, Woods and Cup, um, they've got Van Jefferson, the young kid. They add Atwell. They add Deshaun Jackson. And they've got some other names as well. So tell me about how that's going to look. Yeah, it's I, it's tough to say exactly how the playing time is going to shake out because Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are going to play the majority of the time. But um, the Sean McVay loves to play eleven personnel. He loves to have three receivers on the field, and he said part of that was the fact that he had Brandon Cooks, and and having any of those three receivers on the sideline was just pure stupid because they're all so talented. So why are you going to keep them on the sideline to put a tight end tight end out there? Um, but so Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are going to get the bulk of the targets, I would say. Um, I, I think they're going to run more, more intermediate, deeper routes than they have in the past. And then you have Van Jefferson, as you mentioned, he's kind of a similar player to them, which is why I was a little bit surprised by the pick last year when they made it, because he's not a burner. He's not a big body guy. He's just a pure route runner who wins with strong hands and, and getting open, which there's nothing wrong with that, but he's kind of similar to what the Rams already have. Um, and then you inject two smaller, faster receivers with Jackson and Atwell into the offense. And um, Jackson, I think, is going to be their true deep threat. But uh, we saw him in Washington with McVay, and it, it wasn't just him running deep every – it wasn't running fade, fades and, and, uh, and go routes every time. Um, he's going to get him involved with screens and crossers and allow him to use his speed uh, whether it's getting upfield or breaking to the sideline and, and things like that. Um, the plan for Atwell, I don't know what that is really. Um, I don't know when we're going to find that out because right now I would say he's fifth on the depth chart and there's only so much you can do to get a guy who's 5'9", 150 involved um, purely on offense. I think he's going to return punts. Uh, he's expecting to at least. He's going to compete for that job. Um, but I, I, I think he's going to take some handoffs and catch some screens and run some deep routes, but he's not a guy who obviously is going to win um, jump ball scenarios or, or really catches in traffic. You can't expect him to do much of that. So um, I don't know what his role exactly is going to be, but they're going to try to get him the ball and they should because he's a second round pick. I thought that was an odd second round pick because yeah. Sam, Sam has children that weigh more than Tutu Atwell. So, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it was an odd selection considering their depth chart and um, just taking someone with such an odd like height weight combination that usually doesn't work out. But uh, mm -hmm. I want to I want to circle back to what you were talking about with Jared Goff because this has always been interesting to me. The idea of, and we deal with this conversation here in Minnesota all the time, what the supporting cast means to the quarterback, including the system, the wide receivers, who's calling the plays, how much help they need, the ability to go off schedule. I mean, it's like looking in the mirror when we're talking about this. Now Jared Goff is in the Vikings division. And I, I guess if I wanted to be very aggressive about this, which I have in uh, commenting about it from time to time, 
there's a part of me that thinks Sean McVay did not really succeed last year himself. And the supporting cast fell apart with the offensive line. And he kind of went, uh, that guy did it. And it was, you know, Jared Goff did it. It was not me. And it was not the front office for not, you know, filling out that offensive line after a few guys left. It was uh, the guy, uh, that guy. And then they trade a lot involved to get rid of Jared Goff, who I've always felt was a pretty solid NFL quarterback. And when you look at those years when the team is stacked, I mean, he's terrific. The offensive production is terrific. They're in a Super Bowl. I I guess I wonder how much of it was Jared Goff is flawed or or bad and how much of it is uh, we need to be able to pin this on somebody else so we can keep up the weird geniuses type of, I I don't want to say it's a facade for sure, but it usually is in football. Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. Um, I I think Jared struggled with the mental aspect of the game last year with um, just recognizing defenses and, uh, that game against the Dolphins was just absolutely atrocious. And they just lined up in man coverage every time and sent eight rushers at the quarterbacks or six, seven rushers at the quarterback every time. And it seemed like he didn't know what was coming, um, even though it was it was clearly there before the snap. Um, it's, it's tough to say because the offensive line did have some injuries last year. Whitworth went down and and there were some issues uh, the year before when, when Roger Saffold left. So they've been trying to find a good guard combination. Um, but the offensive line was, was good enough last year, I would say. I mean, he had time. He wasn't under pressure constantly. Um, but it, it's hard to say exactly whether McVay is just trying to point the finger at Jared struggling or um, the fact that he didn't have Brandon Cooks and there was no deep shots. They didn't really have a deep receiver. So the offense was kind of condensed. Um, but I, I think Jared is a quarterback that you can win with, but he's not a quarterback who you're going to win because of, um, you're not going to, he's not going to lead you to a Super Bowl with a poor supporting cast. But if you have him with Robert Woods and Todd Gurley and Brandon cooks and a stout offensive line and a great play caller, you can win with him. And, and the Rams made it to the Super Bowl with him in that fashion. Uh, you guys saw him firsthand when he played the Vikings on that Thursday night game a couple of years ago and he had the perfect passer rating and went crazy. Uh, he looked like a, like an all pro. Um, so he was kind of up and down the last two years. He just, he struggled and, and made mistakes that you don't want a $134 million quarterback to make. So I think that frustrated McVay and, um, I think there was some underlying frustration that not everyone saw publicly, but um, it, it was a, it's a little bit of both. The, the supporting cast got worse, and, and Jared also regressed a little bit in, in that time. Well, obviously, they spend a very high first-round pick on Jared Goff, and it doesn't work out, and they decide, well, we don't want a first-round pick ever again. Um, so I'd like <laughs> to remind Cameron that the draft actually does start on Thursday. It doesn't start on Friday. <laughs> Um, can you speak a little bit more to sort of that approach? Because you mentioned earlier that that might not be a sustainable like team building method if they continue seeking stars in exchange for first round picks. And especially, you know, a fringe star like Matthew Stafford, who may or may not be an upgrade. Do you think that's going to to bite them at some point? Yeah, it, it definitely could. I mean, when so there's nothing wrong with trading a first round pick and more to get a guy like Jalen Ramsey because he's clearly worth more than what the Jaguars have gotten in return. Caleb Von Chason and um, 
Travis Etienne, and I think there was one other player that they might have gotten from that trade. But you have to account for the fact that you have to give them a $100 million contract after a season and a half, which they had to do. So that kind of blows up your salary cap a little bit more than a first-round rookie obviously would. The same goes for Brandon Cooks. They traded a first-round pick for him. He's a good player. He's probably better than most of the first-round rookies that were in the 2019 draft, I think, is the pick that they gave up for him, or 2018. Um, but you had to give him the big contract and that bit them because he spent two seasons. He was good, but now you have all this dead money that, that he left behind when they traded him to the Texans. Um, so it's, it's a difficult strategy to sustain. They'll argue that Jalen Ramsey is worth more than a first round, two first round picks because he's been an all pro. And I don't think you can argue against that because he's been so good for them so far, but you have to think of the cap ramifications of making a trade like that. And, Stafford's the same way. You're, you're trading two first-round picks, and you're taking on his contract, which isn't terrible, but in a couple of years, you're probably going to have to give him a new one if you're keeping him around, which you should because you gave up two first-round picks. So it, it's hard to um, build a team that way. They've done it and made the playoffs in three or four years with McVay, so um, obviously it's worked out, but um, down the stretch, I think you could see them maybe shifting their focus a little bit more and, and trying to to build through the draft. And I know Les Snead loves mid-round picks and he's he's hit on so many of them, but um, at some point you need some younger proven talent that is not going to cost you an arm and a leg on the salary cap. Hey everyone, summer is here and you're trying to get out on the golf course, but if you're like us here at Purple Insiders, spending all day golfing isn't always an option. That's why you need to check out Birdie Golf in Woodbury. I'll give you an example. My wife is new to golf and she's intimidated by the big courses, but at Birdie Golf, she could come and play without the pressure. You can make golf a family experience at Birdie Golf. Bring the kids, still get all of your swings in. They have eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and still have a great time. I've heard from several listeners to the show who have tried out Birdie Golf and absolutely loved it. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights. And every time Sam and I show up at Birdie Golf to record our podcast, we always get the boneless wings. Make golf a night out. It's the perfect place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, and even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive away from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro at birdiegolf.com, B-I-R-D-I golf.com. Call 651-998-2200 today, and I'll see you there. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And of course, there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your dollar bill krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them, Soda Stick Co. on Twitter. Go to SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. So many of these things sound familiar, Cameron. They do because, <laughs> you know, the Vikings, they traded away a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. And 
Uh, as much as we respected what Sam Bradford did as a Viking, it didn't work. I mean, he played one year. They didn't make the playoffs. The next year he got hurt. So they wasted that pick. And the guy that was drafted by Philadelphia got a strip sack to win the Super Bowl. So it's like, you know, then then they miss on first round picks as teams do when they're drafting in the 20s or beyond. And, uh, you know, we've seen it really hurt the Vikings and they've had to spend and spend and spend in this offseason to rebuild. And that feels like your future of with this team, where if those middle round picks stop hitting, which they will, then it becomes even more difficult to, to fill the roster out. So it's going to be interesting to watch this Rams team and how they manage that over the next couple of years. I do want to ask you, since the Vikings play the whole division, um, what you think of the division? I, because I think it has the potential to be the toughest division maybe in football, but it also has the, the, the potential to just be like kind of just okay. I mean, when you think about the different questions about each team, that uh, it's one of those, like, on paper, it could be really, really tough for the Vikings. But when those games come around, that might depend on whether Trey Lance is playing or if Cliff Kingsbury figures out how to, like, run an NFL offense <laughs> or whatever, right? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of different question marks here when it comes to the NFC West. Yeah, you have question marks with with every team. Um, I think the Rams are the the best constructed team and, and the, the team that's set up best to really have a, a double digit win season. Um, whereas the Seahawks, you have questions about the defense and, and the supporting cast around uh, around Russell Wilson with the offensive line. Um, the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, is he going to continue to take the next step? Is Cliff Kingsbury going to actually design routes for, for DeAndre Hopkins that uh, he should be running instead of these short little quick outs that they did all the time against the Rams. Uh, the 49ers, you don't know who their quarterback's going to be. You don't know if they're going to be able to stay healthy. You can say that about every team, obviously. But that being said, if everything goes according to plan with how all these teams are constructed, um, I, I think it's going to be the best division in football. I, I think they're probably going to beat up on themselves a little bit uh, just because they're so tough and they know each other so well. Um, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough division to beat. I think they can easily send two teams to the playoffs. I, I think the Seahawks are always going to be in contention, obviously with Russell Wilson, no matter what he has around him, he has two great receivers. Um, and then the 49ers, if they can stay healthy and, and run the ball and that defensive front can stay healthy, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be tough to beat too. Reverse question, Cameron, what is the perception of the NFC North who the Rams all have to play? I don't think it's great. Um, I, I think there's questions, like I, like I said about the NFC West, there's questions about every team. Um, the Bears, you don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Obviously, Matt Nagy doubled down on Andy Dalton being the starter for, for week one already and giving Justin Fields no chance, essentially. Um, but the Lions, I don't think, are going to be very good. The Packers, you don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to stay there. And if he does, they're probably the favorites in the NFC. Um, and then the Vikings, it's just kind of, is that defense good enough? Is there more than just Dalvin Cook and, and Kirk Cousins on offense? And um, I mean, they have some talented teams in that division, I think. But um, I don't think it's perceived as one of the better ones from the outside. Yeah, I think that you're right um, that with at least the recent acquisitions by the Vikings, uh, their defense looks filled out, but it's also a lot of new players trying to get together. And I mean, Vegas is still putting the Vikings as a mid-pack team. 
They did not change the win total because the Vikings got Sheldon Richardson um, as you would not have expected. And just like with, but just like with Matt Stafford, I think it's totally fair to look at the quarterback and say, I mean, you got to prove you can win more than 10 games before anybody puts you down for more than 10 games. And Mm -hmm. um, at at least for now, we sort of don't know what's going to go on with Aaron Rodgers. but if he does play quarterback for the Packers, they're the favorites totally them in Tampa Bay Mm -hmm. are the runaway favorites in the NFC. And then it's, everybody else i'm curious about your opinion about the sort of nfl at large with this next season coming up because last year was so freaking weird like we <laughs> we just like i don't even know what to do with it there were times where i thought that it borderlined on like this doesn't even count last year because <laughs> it was so strange like we got a wide receiver playing quarterback for the broncos is this right you know you're, you're going to lambo the vikings get a big win in lambo with no <laughs> no fans. I mean, okay. I mean, I guess you beat them, but like, come on, right. Is this like just a fair assessment? Teams came into Minnesota and beat them with no fans where it's generally very difficult. I I wonder how you think things getting back to relatively normal across the league will impact just what we see in general from the NFL this year. Yeah. I'm excited to see fans back in the stands and watching the NBA and, and MLB with with fans there and uh, the Cubs at Wrigley field when they swept the Cardinals. It's just, it's fun to see fans bring that energy again. And it was so weird watching games with no one in the stands for, I mean, for the Rams, at least all their home games were in an empty stadium, that brand new SoFi stadium, no one in it. And obviously they pump in artificial noise, but it's, it doesn't replicate um, exactly what the stadium feels like. And guys talked about there just being a, a lack of energy and a weirdness surrounding the game with, with no one cheering in the stands. And there was times where the, the artificial noise was just very awkward and, and not timed well, where fans are cheering for like a, a third down stop 30, 10 seconds after it, it happened and things like that. But um, I'm excited to see what everything is going to be like with fans back and, um, with guys who are back fully vaccinated, I think it's testing like once every 14 days. So hopefully there's just less confusion and, and fluidity and more normalcy to the season where you're not worrying about a, two quarterbacks testing positive and, and being out for the game and um, socially distancing and, and being in quarantine and having to be away from the team. So um, I'm excited to see everything get back to normal and, and, really get back to what we've been used to for, for so many years. Yeah. I had the same thoughts as you looking at that beautiful new stadium with no one in it, it just felt wrong uh, mm-hmm. for LA and, and, you know, the chargers will, will be inhabiting that as well. And I'm, I'm curious just from an LA football fan perspective, are the chargers going to have support? Like I know, I know it's a beautiful facility, but the Rams seem to kind of have captured, you know, a little bit of the fan base there in LA. And, and obviously they were very good, um, a few years ago and, and still are. And the Chargers, you know, were playing in a soccer stadium that was getting overrun by opposing fans. Is is that going to be a weird dynamic? I mean, I think the Chargers being there for, what, a couple of years now, three, two, three years now that they've been in L.A., um, I, I honestly lost count. Um, but I would think they established some kind of more of a fan base than, they, than they've had. Um, Rams fans, they, the Rams had an open practice uh, last week, I think, or last week or the week before, um, where it was an open practice for fans and they had up to 30,000 and they, they sold it out. So the place was packed and 
Uh, McVeigh was was talking about how impressive it was to see 30,000 fans being that loud. Um, and he can't wait to see what 70, 75,000 is going to be like. Um, I would imagine that the Chargers having this new stadium and, and it being basically closed for the first year, they're going to be excited to get into that stadium and they're going to support the team. Um, but it always seems like these Chargers games, even in a small stadium, it's 50% Chargers fans, 50% away teams, or, or an even worse ratio for the Chargers. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 217-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how scout logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It was worse, much worse, when uh, I went out there to cover Chargers Vikings. I would say it was like 95% Vikings. You had to struggle to find anyone in like a <laughs> Philip Rivers jersey. And every everything that happened, I mean, if the Vikings got a first down, it was a huge celebration from <laughs> that stadium. It was also the coldest I've ever been in my life because it was, it's, it was outdoor press box and it's in L.A. So you think like, oh, well, I'm going to L.A., I don't need a jacket or whatever. <laughs> and it was like... 54 degrees or 58 and windy and so outside press box no jacket i i nearly froze to death so anyway (laughs) uh before we wrap up cameron and i I want both of you to play here this is i have a game and it's called ram ram or ram okay And, and here's how it's played i have 10 names and these players were either drafted by the old la rams the st louis rams or the new Rams and and I went with some some big names here, so I'm going to test you guys a little bit. So I'm going to throw out a name, and you guys have to tell me was this a old Rams draft pick, old LA Rams draft pick, a new LA Rams draft pick, or a St. Louis Rams draft pick? Okay, so I'm going to start out with Lawrence Phillips. Was Lawrence Phillips St. Louis, old LA, or new LA draft pick? I would say old LA. What's your pick, Sam? Old LA. He is actually a St. Louis Rams draft pick. One of the more disastrous draft picks in St. Louis slash LA slash other LA history. Uh, All right. Next one is Troy Drayton, the big tight end. Troy Drayton. I would say old LA. Sam? St. Louis. He is old LA. So you are up one (laughs) here, Cameron. Good job. (laughs) <laughs> All right, 
Next pick is Ten Tanzel Smart. Is that an old LA, a St. Louis, or a new LA draft pick? Tanzel Smart. He's going St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, should, I should probably go first on some of these to make the oh, game more yeah, fair. Sorry, um, sorry. I'm going to oh, go. I'm sorry, Sam. Deeply sorry. <laughs> yeah. We try you, to make you, our are Ram. Are you moderating this game or what? Ram, Ram, or Ram <laughs> has to be fair. Cameron is the guest. I thought he would go first, but we'll switch it up just for you. Are you going to make your pick? I'll, I'll go. I'll go new Rams. He is a new Rams pick. Come on, Cameron. Ooh, 2017. Yes. Uh, yes. He, he was one of the early ones, but he was on the fringe. He was on the fringe. That's right. Um, okay. So uh, let's go with Isaac Bruce. Was Isaac Bruce an old Ram, a St. Louis Ram, or obviously he was not a new Ram. I'll eliminate that one. Sam, please <laughs> go ahead first. Okay, well, I mean, everything in me wants to say St. Louis, so I'm going to zig and go Old Rams. I'll go St. Louis. It was Old Rams. So uh, <laughs> another another one another one for Sam. <laughs> Sam is beating the Rams reporter. Uh, all right. Tony Banks. Was Tony Banks Old LA, St. Louis, or New LA? Obviously, it wasn't New LA. So it kind of comes down yeah. to the two. Go ahead, Cameron. I'll say he was St. Louis. Yeah, this is interesting because the Vikings, the 98 Vikings had a game against the St. Louis Rams in week two and they played Tony Banks. And I think he was fairly old at the time. Um, So I'm going to go old Rams. Tony Banks was a St. Louis Rams draft pick. So Cameron, you're back in the game. Yeah. What are we at? Two to two, maybe? Two to two. Two to two. two, to two. Okay. Uh, Tamaric Hemingway. Is that a new Ram, an old Ram, or a St. Louis Ram? Tight end Tamaric Hemingway, who had one career catch. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going first, me or Sam? Um, uh, I'll go first. Sam, I'll Sam go, is up. I'll go new Rams. I'm going to say new Rams, too. I, okay, I remember you... him. I remember him being a tight end who played, he had a decent preseason, but I don't remember if he was there before I started. I'm, I'm going to go new Rams though. You never forget the guys who have decent preseason. Never. Yeah. And you're, you are right. <laughs> you are both right. He is a new Ram. Dexter McLeon. Was he an old Ram and a St. Louis Ram or a new Ram? Dexter McLeon. Uh, Cameron, you are up. I'll go old Ram. Uh, I'm going to go St. Louis. Sam is correct. Dexter McLeon was a St. Louis Ram draft pick. All right. So I got two more. Sean Mannion. Was he drafted by St. Louis or the new Rams? Uh, Sean Mannion. Who's up? Cameron, you up? I, th- I think, I think I'm Sam first. Is. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, okay. I can figure this out. So Mannion was a Viking. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't get this much time. Just pick one. <laughs> He was uh, St. Louis. Yeah, same. St. Louis. You're both wrong. He was a new Ram. Yep. Really? What? Yep. Sean Manning was a new Ram. Third round draft pick. In what 2017? year? In 20. Hold on. Let me get it. Let me get it. Or 2016. He was picked uh, in. It had to be 2016. Hold on. Why Did they I... release him early? Hold on. I'm finding this. I call this is a challenge. I'm challenging. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You might be right. You might be right. He is. Oh, 2015. I'm sorry. You guys are both right. St. Louis. Louis Ram. 
Yep, I had him in the wrong category. Good job, fellas. So it is three to three. Uh, so I have two more for you. One is the tiebreaker. Uh, Jerome Bettis, was he old Ram or St. Louis Ram? Old Ram. Old Ram, he seemed confident there. Uh, yep, you guys are right. He is old Ram. You're playing the players. All right, the tiebreaker is Ale Atkins. Uh, St. Louis for the sake of the game and determining a winner, I'll go old Ram. Um, Al Atkins was a Cleveland Ram from 1944. <laughs> so you're both sort of wrong, but Cameron, you were closer. So you win the game. <laughs> Price is right, Kyle. Al Atkins, Cleveland Ram, shout out to him. So, um, all right. Well, it was a little messy, but, uh, I enjoyed Ram Ram or Ram. That was so. a great game. I good, enjoyed good it. Game. Good game. Good game. Appreciate that. Appreciate that guys. Cameron DeSilva, make sure you follow him on Twitter. Great follow at cam D a S I L VA. Always where I get, uh, everything Rams related. And I will be heckling throughout the season. If it goes wrong, I will be just <laughs> tweeting. I told you so Cameron, actually, no, you are sometimes see, it's always a mix. Like sometimes we have very reporterish reporter guy, which is you. So when I offer a criticism, you're like, yeah, it could be. Uh, and sometimes it's kind of like defensive fan reporter. Who's like, uh, what? And um, so bo both are, both are equal. So I appreciate your reasonableness and uh, we'll do it again, Cameron. There is a Vikings and Rams game that we will need someone to help us preview. And that's going to be you. So thanks for coming on, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Looking forward to the season and, and that Rams Vikings game. Yeah. Thanks, Cameron.